um, what's become known as the Upper Room Ministry uh, occupies almost a third of John's Gospel and begins with the last evening the disciples would spend together with the Lord Jesus before the eve of his death. So um, really a, a lot of detail uh, about a relative to the rest of the gospel about a very short period that the Lord Jesus had with his disciples. Before we read the passage in its entirety, I'd like to highlight at the start three verses on which our lessons for today hang. And these verses seem to somehow pop out of the text today for me. And the first is verse one. It's the second half of verse one. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. And the lesson is love on its knees. Verse eight, Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And it's the lesson there is feet fit for following. And the, then verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And the message there is blessed by doing what we know. So let's read the passage together. John 13, starting at verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothes, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just by feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger great, greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The first verse, verse one, gives us a kind of transition statement from what had been the core of, public, of Jesus' public ministry to this highly intimate private time that the Lord Jesus had with his disciples the night before he died. And it seems to me, as John introduces this transition, is there are three things that linger in his mind. And the first is timing. It was before the Passover feast, John says. It's kind of a reference point in time, 
and it was the Passover, such a cherished date in the Jewish calendar. And John, in his reflections back, would remember how this night was transformed into a completely new celebration, never to be the same again. The second point is John recalls a very deep sense of Jesus' own awareness. He says Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to, to the Father. A kind of summary in John's mind as to where the Lord Jesus had got up to in his public life on the brink of completion and the Lord's much anticipated return to his Father in heaven. John's compelling recollection being Jesus' deep awareness that this was about to happen. This somehow brings a kind of urgency to this part of John's story. Much was to be crammed into those last few hours they had with the Saviour the evening uh, before everything was to change. The third point, and here's one of our key verses, is the intensity of the love that John saw from the Lord. Having loved his own in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Your version might say he loved them to the end, or an older version says he loved them to the uttermost. I love the expression John chooses to use to describe the disciples, his own, he says, he, he, having loved his own in the world. Perhaps this is a, a nod back to the flock illustration in chapter 10, my sheep that the Father has given me. It's an important expression because as well as emphasizing the special relationship Jesus has with his disciples, it also brings with it a sense of expectation, the standard of behavior that comes with the distinction of being his own. Our delight today is that we too are his own in the world. We belong to him by virtue of what he's done for us, loving us to the uttermost. Another expression I've read is he loves us to perfection. I think John's expression, he now showed them the full extent of his love, refers to the rest of the gospel, not just um, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. It's as though for three years they'd enjoyed the love and companionship of the Lord Jesus, but it wasn't until this point that they began to get a real appreciation of the full extent of his love for them. So where does John start as he unfolds the story of Jesus' love expressed to its fullest extent. It starts with Jesus on his knees, taking the place of a servant. Let's read about it, verse three. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from the Father, come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. In verse three, John provides some context for the act of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. It seems from John's perspective, there were two things, a statement as to his divinity. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God. And the second, that he was about to leave the world and return to God. So his following action was a demonstration of the humble servant character of God. Amazing 
and something the disciples needed to be reminded of in a memorable way because Jesus would soon be leaving them. I think we can safely sum, uh, surmise that the disciples had not had their feet washed prior to the meal. It was a borrowed room, so there would have been no host providing a servant to do the feet washing. Also, that the idea is supported by Peter's response of embarrassment, that you, you're not going to wash my filthy feet. So, recognising that the need was there, it says Jesus got up from the meal. You know, I, I love the discretion that there is here. Um, the others were preoccupied with eating and chatting, presumably, and Jesus discreetly gets up almost unnoticed at the start. He took off his outer clothing. That's a really interesting point. Did he really need to do that? I'm just thinking that it's the ancient equivalent to him rolling up his sleeves, getting things that would hinder out of the way. And he wrapped a towel around his waist. They were in a, a borrowed room, a hired room, to have a meal. And it's as though the Lord was anticipating doing this. He'd planned to do this, to teach the lesson. And in so doing, he brought a towel that he could wrap around his waist. And then he filled a bowl with water. And uh, um, that wasn't someone else helping him. He kind of took on the whole deal himself. And he began to wash his disciples' feet, kneeling down, the only way it could be done. The one who knew that the Father had put all things under his power knelt down and one by one, including Judas, washed their filthy feet. This is the stuff of God's chosen servants, those who are his own, those who discreetly engage in the lowest acts of service, requiring, requiring preemptive thought, preparation, the rolling up of sleeves, making ourselves low without discrimination, practicing the activity of serving each other. I find myself just drawn to Philippians 2. It's as though I was unable to carry on reading John 13 without connecting it with Philippians 2, verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. I'm left wondering what would be the modern day equivalent to washing each other's feet? How do we express love on its knees? 
of course, it's having that servant attitude towards each other in everything we do. Each of us looking not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. We have a dear brother, um, his name's Thwal, in the Church of God in Swanfey, David and Rhoda. I've met him a couple of times. He's 58 years old. He was widowed, or widowed, whatever the word is, 24 years ago. His wife died and left him to bring up four daughters on his own. He suffered from serious diabetes and, as a consequence, lost most of his toes. He's been in the fellowship since he was a boy. He's a man of the word, faithful to the Lord, always present, always something to offer, a prayer, a hymn, a word of ministry, faithful to his family, but only recently accepted recognition as a deacon because he's always taken the view that he was not worthy. We're always invited to Thwal's home, and although there are plenty of chairs, he always sits on the floor while we sit on the chairs. He must always be lower. It's not a race thing. It's the same when other visitors, when others visit his home, such as his humility, he must always take the lowest place. We, mark, we now, when we go move the chairs out of the way and all sit on the floor, and you know who, remind, who he reminds me of? The Lord Jesus. I love the man's company. I love his work. He's a practical man, always busy doing stuff in the church and helping out other people. I think, think Brother Thuel is a foot washer in the house of the Lord, and I must learn more from his example. Here's a question that... Um, we need an answer for, it's not an answer I'm going to provide, it's a question to provoke thought. What about Manchester Assembly? How can we demonstrate love on its knees in practice to each other? Our second lesson is fit for fo feet fit for following, and it comes from the Lord Jesus' interaction with Peter. Verse 6, he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. This interaction brings out the glorious truth of our eternal salvation from the penalty of sin by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus' statement to Peter, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean. But our salvation from the penalty of sin does not save us from the power of sin that can still, from the power that sin can still have over us as we walk through this sinful world. Our bodies, as it were, have been cleansed forever, but our feet need to be cleansed by the Saviour who serves us every day. The lesson Peter and the rest of the disciples and us too need to learn is that in this world of sin, our spiritual feet get dirty and need to be cleansed. John himself teaches us this lesson in his first letter, 1 John 1 verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him, heard from the Lord Jesus. 
and declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, dirty feet, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We need to present our feet to the Lord Jesus every day that they may be cleansed, feet that are fit for following. And so we come to our third lesson. Are we blessed? Sorry, we are blessed by doing what we know. Verse 15, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The Lord laid out a beautiful example with a powerful illustration of humility and acts of love on its knees. And he's saying the secret of being blessed, the secret of joy in service is your attitude and what you do. Aim for low, he's saying, and aim for holiness, following the master with clean feet. The Lord Jesus at the outset of his demonstration of love expressed to the fullest extent says our blessing and joy is to be had from a position of serving not from a position of being served. Show love on its knees. It's both about what we do and the attitude with which we do it. Make sure your feet are fit for service, cleansed every day from the impact that living in a sinful world has. As I got to this point in my message, I was drawn back to Stuart's ministry on Thursday. Um, and really, I'm wondering whether verse 15 is a nod back to that. Stuart was encouraging us with the opportunity we have to honor God in forgiveness. Verse 15 says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. It's obvious that this speaks about our displaying love on its knees. That's being prepared to get on our knees and to serve each other. But I wonder if there is still a sense of cleansing in this element too. As we serve each other in love, so we're inclined to exercise forgiveness. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Thank you.